Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. Orientation, what all these classes are about, where you are in the process, how we're going to move through it. So you're starting in the middle. Uh, As it turns out, not a big deal, right? They all are independent, uh, interconnected for sure, but independent. So where you start really is not a big deal. Just know that you'll move from left to right across this, right? You go to life in his body next. Where do we go now? Back to beginning. And then you guys will end with Jesus and mankind, okay? I think I'll put this up every week to give you a sense of where we are, what we're going to cover for the day. And then also you can look around what the other classes are teaching and some of those subtopics. I think that's interesting to see what they're going to deal with and what they're going to talk about each week. Okay, so we'll spend a little bit of time here each week getting you oriented. Uh, Today, the helper in his work. So the whole class really is focused on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit in our lives as believers, specifically relating to salvation, to your redemption. Okay, so we're going to go through, this class is going to deal with... um, the order of salvation, the events in your life as a believer, as the Holy Spirit works in you through these events of salvation. So that's going to be our primary focus. There'll be things about the Holy Spirit that we don't get into. So like Nathan is teaching a session where he'll cover the gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues, healing, things like that. Okay. So we're not going to get into that. This is very focused on salvation. So it's going to be very doctrinal. <laughs> We're going to touch on a lot of things that you guys have heard before, probably, but hopefully we dig a little bit deeper and uh, maybe reveal some new ideas, okay, as we go through it. Okay, so today's going to be a flyover, Holy Spirit characteristics, so be thinking about this. What, is, what are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? What does the Spirit do, specifically in the lives of believers? Okay, so we'll kind of walk through that a little bit, and then again, we'll get into the order of salvation is what we want to get covered today. So at the end of each lesson as well, let me just mention this, we'll have an application slide. Okay, I want to get to application. So what we want to do is summarize each day's discussion with a few key points. Hey, these are the key takeaways. I can make a little list of things I think are important to walk away from uh, the class with. That's not really application. So each time we want to talk a little bit about how will you (laughs) apply the things that we've talked about. You know, what can you do? What can you take away? New thinking? Is there some new approach to your prayer life? to your, the way that you go to worship? You know, is there something, I don't know what it would be, but something that you can say is, an, is some sort of application? Uh, walking away from the class with something you can go do. I think in the early parts of the class, it's a little bit difficult to do that. The first three, the first three sessions are gonna be tight. I think there's a lot to cover. We'll, we'll see how it goes, I'm not sure. We'll see what the timing is like, but I think we're gonna be a little bit tight today in the next couple weeks. Then in the last three, it opens up a little bit. We have more room to breathe and it'll slow down a little bit. We can talk more, okay? So specifically at the end, be thinking about application. What can we walk away from the class with? Okay, so then as well, we'll do some objectives. Just quick, the objectives today, we wanna get to basically establishing a foundation. Okay, we're gonna uh, talk about the Holy Spirit's working believers. We wanna set that understanding of what that's all about. And then again, we'll consider the events in the order of salvation. What is that all about? And we'll basically set the stage for the rest of the classes. Okay, so things like the Spirit's divinity, the Spirit's person, the Spirit's work in us generally, and then specifically, again, the lives of believers. 
Can you guys see that okay in the back? Okay. The text is big enough, kind of? Okay. There are a couple slides I'm a little bit worried about with the size of the text, so we may have to adjust on the fly. Okay. All right, mental warm-up. Wade's got you guys fired up, Team Constantinople. Word is that intellectually you are probably the top group. Um, so I doubt we probably need a mental warm-up, but I know we're also getting coffee going and people are waking up and et cetera. So these are, I want to present each week a couple of deep questions. These are the things that have plagued mankind for millennium. And so I want you to just get your brains engaged and think about them a little bit, okay? Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so, so if I go to the forest to get away from it all, where do the forest rangers go? The beach. Good answer. In office. In office. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Many of us do. All right. And finally. <laughs> so that one, that's one more of a dad joke than an actual challenge as I, as I look at that. All right. So, Wade, make a note for your team. Sense of humor, mild. <laughs> Just about a four, probably on a 10 scale. All right. All right, so let's go. Who is the Holy Spirit? So think about this. If you had to give me characteristics, you know, last, last session we talked about, in a couple of classes, what are the characteristics of God? We made some pretty long lists, right? So if I said, what are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit? What would you tell me? Don't, don't look at what's on the screen. <laughs> Those are just general. Give me some ideas. What would you say? Omniscient. Okay. Omniscient. Yes. Maybe you want That's, words in our lives? No, just characteristics. characteristics. Things like, I'll just say holiness, for example. But we're thinking about just the Holy Spirit. I guess one of the questions is, is that hard to do? Characteristics of God, is that an easy list? Have we thought about the Holy Spirit? Can we make that list? Is it different? You know, is it, do we get stumped a little bit? Like, okay, what, what are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit specifically? Omniscience. You said omniscience? That's a great one. Okay, that's a great one too. The same as God. Same as God. Yeah. As I yell into the microphone, that's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Truth. Okay. Yep. He's a helper. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Love. Love. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. He. It's a he. Masculine and personal. Yep. Good. Is it challenging to think about that apart from God to say, okay, just focus on the Holy Spirit? Is that a challenge or no? A little bit? No? No. Okay. Well, we'll find that the lists are <laughs> identical in, uh, in fact. So just to start us off at a high level, we say, who is the Holy Spirit? As it relates to this class in salvation, we can put the Trinity sort of into categories. Now, you're not attempting to put the Trinity in a bucket and limit the power of the Trinity, but we say generally categorically in terms of salvation, God planned it, Jesus accomplished it, and the Holy Spirit applies it. So it's that application that we're going to talk about in the class, okay? Application. Okay, and then as we get into the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, 
We want to talk about how the Holy Spirit has divine attributes. So these are some of the things that you guys have mentioned. Omniscience. The Spirit knows everything, just like God. The Spirit has wisdom. The Spirit brings wisdom. The Spirit is wisdom. The Spirit knows God's mind, knows God's wisdom and His will. The Spirit is omnipresent. The Spirit is everywhere. Scripture asks, where can we go to get away from the Spirit? We can't. Right? He's everywhere. He's incomprehensible like God. There are, we don't instruct the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit instructs us. Okay? And of course, you'd expect with the Holy Spirit, holiness. Hundreds of Scripture uh, references to the Holy Spirit's holiness. Okay? So let's take a look at some of this. And what I want to do, we'll see how we get through this time-wise. We're recording this, right? So these are going to go up as uh, podcasts for folks to listen to later. And they don't have the benefit of seeing the screen. So I'm, I'm going to read the scripture, or at least parts of the scripture as we go through this, okay? I hope that's not, doesn't take too long, but I want to do it to get it on the recording, okay? All right, so let's go through. Omniscience, first from 1 Corinthians, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Okay, omniscience, all-knowing, including the mind of God. From Isaiah 11, uh, wisdom, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So we know the fear of the Lord brings knowledge and wisdom. These things begin with the Spirit. Okay? Spirit counsels and instructs us in all of these things. Uh, um, omnipresence from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. So omnipresence, the spirit is God's presence on earth. We'll see that here in a little bit. He dwells in us, right? He is everywhere. Incomprehensibility from Isaiah 40, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? A rhetorical question, no one, right? No one. And there are hundreds of verses literally on holiness. Here's one, you know, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord from Romans 1. So um, lots and lots on holiness, okay? So digging a little bit deeper in the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, he has divine power. So he has divine attributes. He also has divine power like God. He was there and participates in all of the major events in history. So the Spirit was there in creation. The Spirit judges. The Spirit raises from the dead, gives life, participates in our salvation, and is the teacher of the church. So the Spirit brings the truth. When we read the Word of God, when we hear it preached, when we hear it spoken, the Spirit is in us convincing us of that truth. So the Spirit is the teacher of the church, right? Wendy tells me my voice trails off. I'm sorry, I do that habitually. So I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> if you can't hear me or you miss something that I've said, shout out or raise your hand or something, okay? I want to make sure you can hear me, okay? All right, in creation, so from Genesis 1, the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So right there in creation, the Spirit was there. Participating in judgment from John 16. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
right? So the spirit participates in judgment. Um, right, raising from the dead, Romans 8, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so we're, we're going to find a lot of scripture proof in Romans uh, generally. I would recommend if you want to do any like side reading uh, along with the class, Romans 8 is fantastic. We're going to find a lot in Romans 8 that we'll, you'll see us pull from. So if you want to do a little extra reading, you know, extracurricular along with the class, I would recommend you do that. Okay. And then Spirit participates in our salvation. So from 1 Corinthians, such were some of you that you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. So we start to get into some of these events of salvation we're going to talk about. Justification, for example, sanctification. Spirit participates in that. And the Spirit teaches the church and us, obviously, so from Second Peter. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All right, so um, attributes of God, power of God. We want to stop right here and just say um, to be cautious about uh, hierarchies. We often think about hierarchies, and we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we tend to think that the Spirit is sort of at the bottom of the list. Um, we might set up a hierarchy that isn't true. So we want to make sure we understand that the Holy Spirit is equal in honor and is worthy just like God. And we think about the Trinity, <coughs> there is unity there in the Trinity, right? So there's equality. So he stands alongside the Father and the Son, and he's an object of worship. We're going to say this a lot. I think you said the Spirit is God, right? That's the Spirit is God. Equal to Father and Son, worthy of honor, equal to theirs. So here we have a little peek at unity from Ephesians 4. There's one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. They are one. The Spirit is in unity with the Father and the Son. All right, so when do you mention this? He is a divine person, not an impersonal force. There is some thinking, some heresy that, hey, Holy Spirit's just a, it's an it. It's kind of floating out there, <laughs> right, impersonal. So we want to defeat that heresy. The Holy Spirit is always referred to with masculine pronouns. It's always a he. And the Spirit, as we see, knows the mind of God and knows God's wisdom and his will. So it's not an impersonal thing. It's a very, in fact, a very intimate, <coughs> personal thing. Okay. We, so the word spirit, I think the word spirit in the original text is, uh, is neuter. So it's not necessarily male or female. So if you go through Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father and Son, those connotations are kind of clear and obvious. Spirit itself, just the word, is neuter. Again, however, the Spirit is always referred to in Scripture as He, always, okay, always masculine. All right, so quick example from John 14. I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him, because He abides with you and He will be with you. This is Christ speaking, right, about the Spirit. 
from John 14. Okay. God's Spirit, um, I'm sorry, the Spirit of God, uh, this is the Spirit of God's wisdom applied to us. So here from Isaiah 11, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then here we see a little bit of, you know, how the spirit knows God's mind from Romans 8. In the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So again, the Spirit knows God's mind. He knows God's will. It cannot be an impersonal force. There's an there's a intimacy there, right? And they're, they're interacting in a way that is uh, clearly not just an it. Okay, so what does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit do? Well, the Spirit's involved in all the works of God. The Spirit is God. <laughs> He's the power of God exerted in the world. He speaks the word powerfully and authoritatively. So through preachers, through uh, just reading the word, right? And prophets, of course. He's God's presence on the earth. And he dwells in us, right? Our bodies are the temple of God. So he dwells in us and we worship in the spirit. So he participates in our worship. Here from Acts 5. Uh, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but, but to God. So here we have an equality of, of the terminology referring to the Spirit and to God at the, at the same time. These are used interchangeably. Okay. From Acts 1, Spirit brings power. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, right? And you shall be my witness. So the power here to do things spiritually, and then of course we know the Spirit brings power physically. Here's Samson from Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. So he tore him as one tears a young goat, Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. So, an example of physical power, right? Tearing apart the lion. Okay. So, the, you know, we're using the John Frame text. I thought this is a good quote, scripturally based. Um, when you present the gospel to others, think of Samson tearing that lion in pieces. The same spirit is present in you. Do you think of the spirit giving both spiritual and physical power? Tell me about that. What? Do we think of it that way? What power do you think of the Spirit bringing? Maybe you have an experience, a story or something you could share, but. I think of courage to do what you're telling me to do. Yeah, good. Other comments? Okay. I, th I think this is sort of a challenge. We have examples of the Spirit bringing physical, physical power. Spirit is with us in our spiritual needs as well. Just to make sure we, yeah, Lisa. Yeah. 
Good. That's good. Yeah, we'll look to the end um, as we get into some of the other sessions and talk about um, the things we have to look forward to in glorification. So again, that's one of the things we'll talk about, right? And the incredible power that we have as we go to um, when, we're, when we're glorified in terms of heaven and how we will have authority and how we will rule. And uh, so that's an, an amazing place that we're, we're headed. Okay? Yep. No, I get, yeah, what you're saying. It's, again, yep, I think the challenge is to think of the, think of the ways that the Spirit is at work, and I think we often don't recognize the totality of the power of the Holy Spirit, physically and spiritually, and, and how He works in salvation. So, again, we'll, we'll keep digging into that here. Okay, Spirit speaks with authority through prophets and preachers regarding the truth of the Word. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and iniquity, inquiries, seeking how, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow from 1 Peter. Okay, so the Spirit speaks with authority uh, through prophets and preachers regarding the truth of the word. From Matthew 10, for it is not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. It's not us, Spirit working in us. And from John 3, for he whom God sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Spirit is God's presence on earth. Where can I go from your Spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Again, from Psalm 139. And the Spirit dwells in us. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? From 1 Corinthians. So God is involved, our spirit is also involved in our worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth from John 4. All right, so having gone through all that long stuff, good background. It is said that the spirit occupies roles or offices like Christ did, right? So Christ had offices. Jesus had three offices. Do you remember what they, what they are? Prophet, priest, and king. So if we had to pick three offices from what we just talked through that the Holy Spirit executes, what would those offices be? What would you think? So the Holy Spirit has roles or offices, executes roles or offices like Christ. If we were to pick those, pick three from what we just talked about, what would they be? Sanctifier, okay. Teacher. Teacher, okay. Comforter. Yeah. Convictor. Okay. Those are very specific. Think of wider, maybe broader roles that we just kind of talked through. Maybe broader categories. Those are great and all accurate. Maybe broader categories. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Right. <coughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's just dive in. <laughs> so there are three as well. Power, again, the Holy Spirit is God's power on earth. We speak of power and control sometimes sort of is an equivalent. Okay, he's God's power and control. Presence, we're going to think about this 
The Spirit is God's presence on earth. He's in us, working in us, in revealing the truth. Have you ever read something in Scripture or maybe just seen something and thought to yourself, man, I have a sense, I have a feeling that that's true, or I have a sense about it, and you don't really know where that's coming from. Well, again, the Spirit of God is in us, taking the Word of God, and the things people are teaching us and telling us, encouraging us around, exhorting us, whatever, turning that into convincing, right? It's convincing us of the truth. So He is our presence. He's with us. He's in us. And then finally, authoritative words. So again, it's just it brings that truth, right? He is, I think that was mentioned earlier, yeah, it's, the Spirit is the one that um, works in men, works off the page, works in writings, right, to bring us the truth, okay? Okay, so this again from Frame, the Spirit is God's control, authority, and presence in the world. That is to say, He is Lord. As Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, the Spirit is God's authoritative word, His abiding and meditating presence, and His powerful control over all things. Okay. All right, so what does the Spirit do in the lives of believers? Now we're starting to get into some very specific stuff. Okay, well, the answer is the Spirit provides everything we need, <laughs> everything we need for our present continuing walk with God, everything we need. He equips us to serve, to preach, and pray. He regenerates and gives a new birth. That's going to be part of what we talk about going through these, these events of salvation. Okay, he regenerates our hearts, gives us a new spiritual life. He, uh, you know, this, he's in our conversion. This is this two parts of faith and repentance, two sides of a coin, faith and repentance. We'll talk about that. That's considered conversion. That's part of how he regenerates us and gives us new birth. He sanctifies and makes us holy. So the sanctification, this one-time event where we're sanctified, but then over time... It's a process of being sanctified and growing in holiness over the course of our lives, right? He's in that working in us. He grieves over our sin. He illumines and persuades us of truth. As we said, as we read the word, it's the spirit that's convincing us of its truth. And he creates unity and peace in the church. So this horizontal relationship of believers that we have in the church, that's Christ giving us that unity, that love for each other. I'm sorry, that's the Holy Spirit working uh, to accomplish that, okay? All right. Now, as to uh, equipping us for service, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, uh, for Moses had laid hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as Moses had, as the Lord had commanded Moses from Deuteronomy. So, equipping for service, for leadership in this case, from Romans 8, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, he equips us for prayer. Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we'll talk, uh, one of the classes we'll talk about is assurance and perseverance. So perseverance of the saints, assurance of our faith. Do we want to know we're going to heaven? Do we want to have that assurance? Yes, we do. Does God want us to know and have that assurance? Yes. Yes, he does. We are sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And that happens when he calls us into union with Christ uh, when we are. Uh, when he brings us to life. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, Spirit illumines God's law. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law from Psalm 119. Uh, yeah, so when we're convicted of the truth, God's word brings it power. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also empowered in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake from 1 Thessalonians. And the Spirit brings unity in the church. 
So therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, from Ephesians 4 again. All right. Okay, so that was kind of rapid. Quick flyover, give you a sense of the Holy Spirit characteristics. What does the Spirit do? Specifically, what does the Spirit do in our lives? If I asked you, when were you saved? <laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> yes, just off the cuff, right? So, three, three typical or potential answers, three, three very common answers. So, the, many of you astute, you know, highly learned folks would say, well, before the foundation of the world, God should, <laughs> that's, God elected me. God planned my salvation at the, before the foundation of the world, right? I was elected then, and so I'm on a path, and my salvation was, was, uh, began right there. And that is true. That is the beginning of salvation. Others would say, well, really, you know, I was saved on the cross at Calvary when Christ died for me and shed his blood. Um, that atonement, that is my, when my salvation began, and you would be correct as well. So that is... That is where your salvation is accomplished. God planned it. Christ accomplishes it on the cross, right? Some of you also would say, well, you know, there was a time when I came alive, you know? The Spirit began to move in me. God got a hold of me, whatever we would say. But there was a time when I believed. I believed in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, and that's when I was saved. And that is also true. So that is where your salvation is applied. That is when the Spirit calls us, this effectual calling. We'll talk about the effectual calling, what that's all about. He calls us into union with Christ, and our new spiritual life begins. Our hearts are, are changed, right? We are re- redeemed there, and the whole process begins. That's application. So again, that's where we're going to spend most of our time going forward. So this, is, this slide breaks all the rules of putting Scripture on slides because I basically chopped up Ephesians 1. But here's Ephesians 1, 4, 7, and 13 on the same slide. So just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. So God, this is, right, your election. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is Christ's redeeming work on the cross, right? This is his blood. And finally, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, of promise. So this is that application, the Spirit calling you into union with Christ and your life changing. You have a new spiritual life going forward. Okay, so that's where we're going to focus. This is our focus for the next five weeks. We're going to look at the effectual calling and all the events of salvation that follow after that. And here they are, just so we have a list of them. Again, that text might be a little weak. Can you see it in the back? Is that readable? So the order, the order of this, the exact order of this maybe isn't so important. There are things that happen here actually simultaneously, pretty much at the same time. And there are some things in here that we could maybe change the order of a little bit. It doesn't really affect the, out, the outcome. So theologians will put these in different orders at times. But this is a list. We're going to go through it in this order. right? So just understand that there's a list and there's a process we go through it. So the effectual calling, again, Holy Spirit calls you into union with Christ. Regeneration, that's our new heart, our new life. Conversion, again, faith and repentance. 
two sides of a coin. Conversion is really part of regeneration. We'll talk about those two together beginning next week. We have a change in status, justification and adoption. Not guilty, I'm sorry, guilty, not guilty. Outside of God's family, in fact, in Satan's family, into God's family. So we have a change in status that are occurring with those two. We'll talk about those as one in week three. Sanctification, this event in our lives, we are sanctified and the process begins going forward uh, as we grow in holiness over the course of our lives. Perseverance and assurance, again, do we wanna know we're, we're saved? Do we wanna know for sure we're going to heaven? Yeah, we do. What does it mean to be a saint who's persevering, the perseverance of the saints over your lifetime through sufferings <clears throat> and all sorts of things, right? To persevere to the end and then our assurance, do we know we're going to heaven? And what does that look like? What's the evidence associated with that? And then glorification, finally, the end, <clears throat> of the, the end blessing when we reflect the glory of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit back in our glorified bodies. So that's a really cool, very interesting discussion. We'll get to that at the end. Okay? So these are the events. And essentially, the, this, the Ordo Salutis, or the, or the order of salvation, comes from a variety of different scripture. Here's a good one from Romans 8. Uh, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, the effectual calling. These whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we don't have all of the events there, but we have pieces of it, and it suggests that there are events, (laughs) and there's a process to it. Okay, Okay, last idea. I want to cover this because it's going to come up. Maybe it has in your mind or your life already at some point. It's this idea of the paradox of the already and the not yet. So many of the things in the events of salvation, you're going to say, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, That's already occurred. How can it still be going on? Or why am I sort of in and then, you know, continuing? So sanctification is a good example. And we say, we say we're sanctified. You know, when you are called into union with Christ, you are redeemed, you have a new spiritual life, you are at that point, we say you are sanctified. But then you may read in Scripture that sanctification is ongoing. So in Ephesians 5, men are commanded to sanctify their wives. Well, how can I be sanctifying my wife if she's already sanctified? So it's this idea that we have it, it is ours, but it isn't fulfilled entirely. There's an ongoing nature to it that gets, you know, its fullness occurs later. Typically, we see that in glorification at the end, okay? So there's a little bit of something, and then we continue to pursue it. I've given sin as an example. I think it's kind of helpful. So we know that the guilt of our sin was removed, right? Jesus' atonement has taken away the guilt of our sin. So that's done with. When you are called into union with Christ, when this effectual calling occurs in your life, this new birth, when it occurs, it breaks the bondage to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. However, sin is still present, right? It's still in our lives, still everywhere. So what do we do with that? Well, the presence of sin isn't completely removed until the end, until glorification. At that point, you know, we will be completely sinless. And there will be no more sin. It's removed entirely. Okay? So it's an ongoing, there's a piece of it now that we recognize and realize, and there's some of it that we don't have in its fullness yet. When we talk about justification and adoption, those are really good examples. In justification, we are justified, but we are declared righteous. 
we don't have a full entire righteousness that we own ourselves. Okay, we are declared righteousness based on the righteousness of Christ. So he's given us that. That's ascribed to us. We don't have it fully ourselves. We will someday, but we don't have it fully. It's not to say that the glass is half empty. Oh, I've only been given a little bit of justification. No, it's ours fully, but it's shared. It's, a, it's ascribed. It's imputed to us. We'll talk, we'll talk in more detail about this in other classes. But just understand that this is, there's uh, a paradox to things that are, you know, maybe not fully realized. Adoption is another good example. When we're adopted, we're brought into God's family. Again, from Satan's family into God's family, right? That happens. But um, there are privileges. The fullness of the privileges are not ours yet. <clears throat> that's still yet to come. There's something that's out in the future. That makes sense? The already and the not yet. <clears throat> Have you wrestled with that before? Is that an issue? A question that's come up for you? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Somebody's having more fun than we are. All right. Well, that, that was really the material, so let me tuck, touch on application. So again, we this today, quick flyover, right? The Holy Spirit is God. He has divine attributes and divine power. He is a divine person. He's an object of worship. The Holy Spirit calls us and gives us everything we need for our present continuing walk with God. Everything. And again, there's a, pro a process of or a process of events involved in our salvation that the Holy Spirit applies when He calls us. <clears throat> okay, quickly. I know that was a quick run through today. <clears throat> Any thoughts on application? Anything from today that was a new idea or something you can apply in some way? Again, new thinking might change some aspect of your disciplines: reading, praying, worship, something. One thought I had just is when you mentioned Samson and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. Mm. And then you said, you know, he's a prime example of a manifest of, of the power of him being in us manifesting physically, but maybe not spiritually. And yeah. Classic example of courage. I, I just, yeah, I, we know the Holy Spirit does, he does work through us powerfully, and that is the same spirit that is in us today. Yeah. And so, it, interestingly, as you go through this, I think it will connect some dots. It certainly has for me. If you, if you go through and look at the Scripture involved in what the Spirit is doing in us in salvation, there's so much going on there, so much happening. And, and the promises of what's ahead for us as saints, the believers, it's insane. It's, it's amazing. And so I hope that opens doors to us to think more about that and to think about the Spirit as an object of worship and to really put the Spirit in the right uh, place. Again, not diminishing the Spirit's power in that sort of hierarchy we might make in our mind. And to think about the ways that the Spirit is working us every day. Again, He gives us everything we need for our present and continuing walk with God. Everything. Okay, so again, we'll, get, we'll, di we'll dive into some more detail beginning next week. We'll talk, touch on regeneration. That's going to be the focus next time. Uh, again, I think the next two are going to be kind of, we're going to be flying kind of quick. 
But then think about application. We want to be able to talk about at the end of these lessons some things that you may have taken away, okay? I think that'll be a good uh, help to the rest of the class, so. All right. Wade, you want to pray for our, to end our class and send us off into worship? Thank you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is truth to live by.